Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Film Kid Asks, the podcast where I ask questions to working professionals in the film industry from the perspective of someone just getting started. My name is Jordan, and today I'm joined by the Canadian director, producer, writer, and showrunner on titles like Ginger Snaps, Man in the High Castle, and Orphan Black, John Fawcett. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, it's great to be here. So you're, you're a Canadian boy. You grew up in the prairies uh, and you grew up in Calgary and went to film school at SAIT and then studied at the CFC. What are your thoughts on film schools and programs and how do you feel they've affected your career? Mm. Well, um, I, I, I guess I don't have a great track record with film school. I, I, uh, I had kind of a bad attitude, I guess. Uh, so I have kind of mixed feelings about, about film school. You know, when I was in Calgary and going to SAIT, I kind of, I guess I, I guess I, I had a, a lot of ego and a lot of, uh, I, I knew better than the instructor's attitude and felt like there were components of the program that I didn't think I needed. And of course the institution felt differently than me. And uh, as a result, they kicked me out after my first year. That was a kind of a humbling experience because I was, I was living on my own and um, had to, you know, spent, spent a year working in, in bars and in coffee shops and trying to shoot my own film. And it was really in that time, that year after, that I, I really had a kind of a, a big dose of reality, which was um, this shit costs money to make. Like it's expensive to make films. At the time, you know, it's not as like it is now. You know, you needed, you needed expensive cameras and lenses and film. It was not, uh, not cheap at all. It made me realize that I, actually needed to try and get back into my second year of film school and uh you know picked up some classes that i didn't want i think what my resentment was towards uh an advertising class and maybe a speech class that i didn't feel like i was necessary for me to become a film director and i think i also had some resentment towards certain i think some of the instructors i didn't feel necessarily I felt like I was better than them, which was really stupid considering I was, I don't know, 20, 21. Just had a big ego. Anyway, I went back, I did another year and I shot a, I shot a short film, which was good. And that was the whole point really was to get another short, uh, a 16 millimeter short film made. I used that film, that film did really well for me. And it was the thing that got me into the Canadian Film Center in Toronto. And you know, and then my experience in Toronto at the Canadian Film Centre, I would say was mixed as well. I mean, the, the Film Centre certainly has a, a lovely repu reputation for being elite and maybe introducing uh, a young filmmaker from Calgary into the Toronto film scene at a very high level. But what I actually learned there, I don't know. I, honestly, it was... At the time, it was not, you know, I was there in 1991 and the program was not particularly well structured. And there was a lot of guest speakers telling war stories. And I didn't feel like I learned much from that. But at, at the end of the day, uh, it was the Canadian Film Centre, their name, and I made another short film. And that was, those were the important aspects. I would say what you get out of film school is you get community. You get uh, access to gear if you know if that's a, if gear is a pro getting access to gear is a problem, um, and you get shit done because you got people that are trying to that have have the uh, the same goals in mind. Is it necessary? I'm not certain it is. I don't think if someone was saying I really think I can do this without going to film school, I would say yeah, go for it. If you're ambitious and you think you can pull it off and you've got some friends because you need friends. You need some talented friends and you need some, you need a script and some ambition and you need to have some basic understanding of how things work. I would just say shoot films, shoot. So you've been fortunate enough to, you know, make these features and TV really from the start of your career that you've been the primary creative voice. You made some short films and then uh, your first feature and then Ginger Snaps. But like many working directors, especially in Canada, you've also worked on shows where you're a guest director. How do you approach working on those projects? Well, I think the most important thing uh, being a guest director, and that's kind of really, for me, that's been kind of bread and butter is, is episodic television and going out and gigging on shows. And that's, uh, that's not an easy accomplishment in itself, just getting a job doing it. Of course, once you have the job, um, 
the, the most important thing is to know the show. You know, a lot of shows now, like Orphan Black, for example, was it was it was a difficult show for guest directors to come on to because they really needed to understand where the show was at. Kind of means you got to watch, especially a, a show with a continuing storyline. You kind of got to watch it from the beginning. You need to you need to be up to date with the show. Sometimes that's not that's not completely possible, but it's it it is really important. I would say to at least know the show, the season. And the and the this you know the, the characters and storylines up to your script, so that because often if you don't you wind up reading a script and have no clue how it fits into the big, you know this it it just generates more confusion than anything else. So it's most important to know the show, and the second thing is to know your script, know your script inside and out. I I just feel like when I show up at a at a new a new job. The most important thing for me is to just get to know people and to to not uh, be afraid of asking questions. I think sometimes, certainly when I was younger, I was I was very, you know, it's almost like an ego thing. I don't know, like where you don't want to feel like people uh, think that you don't know what you're doing or that you're weak somehow, you know, and that asking questions uh, exposes some kind of weakness. I mean. I would say across the board, the mentality of the director is like people seem to think that if they if they don't have the answer, if they show any kind of weakness, it means that they're that you know they're going to be taken advantage of, or they're going to lose their control or lose their their. Uh, and I just think that that's a load of horseshit. So I think that the most important thing here is to I think you just got to ask questions and not be afraid to ask questions. And you know uh, I. I find that sometimes when I've censored myself or, or thought that maybe this was a dumb question, I'm not going to ask it, that it, it winds up biting me in the ass. And so I, I sort of think that the only dumb questions are the ones that don't ask. So, uh, and then I think it's important to get to know your crew and um, get to know your actors, uh, get to know what production thinks of your actors, because the producers will definitely have an opinion of the actors, uh, what their strengths and weaknesses are whether the actors are a problem. And then I would say get to know your actors, what your actors think of production and what they think of the scripts. You know, often a director is a kind of go-between and is kind of the, he's kind of the one that has to kind of like keep everyone sort of happy and has to be, so you have to be kind of flexible and compatible and, and collaborative. I mean, really, and as a guest director, that's, that's just, the, the most important thing, if you go in there like a bull in a china shop and think that you're going to do your thing, I, I think often that gets everyone's backup. It gets the crew's backup. It gets the actors back because they've been there longer than you have. You're, you're the guest. So I think show some respect and um, check your ego at the door, man. So kind of going off of that, what do you think are the most important skills a director can have? I think the most important thing, I think you'll get, you can get help everywhere else. But I think that the most important things is know how to talk to actors, know the script, know the character motivations, know your scene requirements, backwards and forwards. No one can talk story or motivations that you haven't already thought about. Everyone else will help you with everything else. All the technical stuff, all the technical mumbo jumbo, there's a ton of it, right? And some, some directors are good at it and some aren't so good at it. The thing is, there is a ton of technical people on set to, to help you with that shit. There is nobody else other than you to deal with the actors and the script. You're the only one. So that is, if you're going to put your time and into training as anything, I would, I would make it about script and actors and blocking and understanding story structure. No, not just my job as the director, I'm going and I've got to like move people around and move cameras around, but understand the characters and the character, the char understand each, each of those actors out there, they're both got their little character and they're, that's their whole world. And they're going to, they, they're following that storyline through the whole thing. And you need as a director to understand that you need to not just understand it. You need to have almost gone through that journey on your own with that character. You know, often with a script, when I'm preparing with a script, I will literally read the script following one character's uh, journey 
and make character notes and understand that character's journey and then read it again through the eyes of another character. So that I kind of really, I have, I have the answers and I've thought through that stuff for the actors. And that's, I think, I think the most important thing. The other thing that I could say is, I really believe that <clears throat> the script is the thing that dictates the style, not the director. The script dictates the style of the show. So uh, often I find directors, especially younger directors, doing too much or forcing style on a, forcing a specific style on a scene that doesn't, doesn't need it and doesn't want it and, 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 isn't, and, the, and the style isn't supporting the writing. Everything that you do as a director has to support the writing and has to support the story and has to support the storytelling. So kind of going off, you know, working with actors, I'm sure your process has evolved a lot over the span of your career. Um, so what were some, do you have any big learning moments that you can share or any advice uh, besides kind of going through the script and, and using that as a Bible that you can share on working with actors? I don't know if I have any big learning moments. I just know that the way I, learning how to <clears throat> speak actor lingo is something that uh, evolved for me. It didn't start, you know, even though I, I did quite a bit of acting when I was in high school. I did some acting after high school, which I think is kind of like a, 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 an aspect of directing that I think I think is important for everyone that you have been on the other side of the camera. Like taking acting classes is a great way to understand actors and is a great way to learn how to talk to actors. I have to say when I was younger, I was a little bit freaked out by actors. I, th I think I was a little, a little scared of them, a little intimidated by them and never really knew what they wanted to hear. And I, I don't know that, I think that in the beginning I was probably just giving quite rudimentary direction, like, you know, cross here, longer pause here. It was probably really basic and didn't have a lot of uh, complexity or, or depth to it. Uh, and, and, and it was probably also from my own fear and insecurity. That's not something that you just get first time out. I mean, it's, this is like, it's like learning, a, it's like exercising any muscle. It's like you need to do it. You just need to do it over and over and over again, and you just get more comfortable with how to how to speak to them. It, it, but it certainly helps, I think, to be have been on the other side, to do it uh, from the other side, to have been directed by someone else. Listen, I think that one uh, something that happens to directors a lot because there's a lot of shit going on. The the clock dictates your day, and that dic dictates your stress and anxiety level. But it's it's, it's not just this day, it's the next day. And it's the day after that. Because constantly when you're sitting there in the chair, people are coming up to you and saying, hey boss, tomorrow, what, do you, what have you got in mind for this? So you're constantly being dragged away from the scene that you're working on. It's a part of the job that I dislike the most because I uh, find that I can get scattered quite quickly and then not be focus, not be present uh, with my actors. And so I would say, you know, one of the, and this is, sounds really, really, really basic, but somehow find this space where you can be very, very hyper present with the actors. So that it's not about, so that you're listening to their performances, you're focused on their performances. Some directors get all caught up in like what the camera's doing. God damn, there's 50 fucking technical people that can look after camera. Like, listen to the actors. You know, most of the time I like to even make my, get my, my camera operators to wear a headset and listen to the, listen to the actors. It, it, it's, I mean, this is what we're making. We're making the script and we're making people saying words. And uh, so it's really important to me that, that we're really, really focused and then reacting to their performances in a, in a really sort of present way. I would, I, I think I would often find that I was discovering direction before the actors even did anything. Do, I don't know if you understand that, where I was like, okay, they're going to, they're going to do it this time, but I'm, after this take, I'm going to tell them this. And I think that that's just me not being present. That's me just, that's me not, not paying attention. That's me somewhere in the future and not here right now. And I think that what actors appreciate is, is, is directors that 
in, are really focused on on the performances, focused on what they just did, what they just saw, because the relationship between actor and director is, is one of the most important relationships that you can have, because no one else is doing it. It's you and them, and they need to feel like you you guys are a team. So you need they and they need to feel safe and feel like it's okay to explore and feel like you got their back and that you're not going to sell them short. You're not going to make them look stupid. If an actor wants another take, another take. Like, yeah, so time's ticking, but you know, like anything that is going to make them comfortable because you want a mutual trust between the two of you. So it sounds like a lot of it is about creating boundaries on set and listening. What are the other kind of components to creating a good set environment? Well, it's the attitude that you show up with. There are key people on set that are, are responsible for creating the atmosphere, for, are, that are responsible for creating the culture on set. Actors, cinematographer, director. If, those, if any of those people are, are negative or are screamers or screaming and yelling or, yeah, I, I think that those are, the, those are the people that can be, those are the people that I find that can be negative. I, I don't like, I, I don't like a lot. I mean, obviously raising your voice is sometimes it's necessary. People, the set gets out, gets, starts getting loud or noisy or people aren't paying attention and the, uh, the first AD needs to speak up and be a presence. He needs to be a presence. He doesn't need to be a screamer. I don't think screaming and shouting gets us very far. And I, my whole thing is just showing up with enthusiasm and passion and energy and, and, and show up and be a hard worker. Be as hard a worker as anybody else there. Like if you, I, I can understand anxiety and stress. That's what the job is, right? But I think it's really important to find a way, find a way to hide that. People don't want to see your stress and anxiety. They want to see, a, they want to see someone who is, is calm and confident. That doesn't mean to say that you need to have all the answers, but stress and anxiety and freaking out and, and uh, potentially screaming and shouting. This is, this is, I see this often from directors when they, when they get under the gun, they get under stress and it's, uh, it's really about knowing yourself and being able to kind of like manage, manage situations with, with a calm head. And I think that that's, and also with some humor. Like, I really think that this job needs a sense of humor. This isn't, we're not, sa we're not exactly saving lives here at work. You know, this isn't an ER. I think it's, it's good to just kind of have a little levity about, about the work that we're doing. For sure. So obviously, a lot of your job centers around these relationships and creative partnerships. How do you foster those working relationships with producers, cinematographers, actors, etc., to achieve your vision, but also a collaborative environment? I don't know. You know, I think that the first thing is I, I have to be I have to show up. And I have to be really careful about my attitude. I have to be really careful about my, my ego. Um, I want to show up. I want to be enthusiastic. I want to show that I care about other people. And that seems like a really silly, that's almost like a basic life lesson. But it's important. It's important that the people that you're working with believe that you care about them. And not just about their job, but about them as people. So there's, there's some key relationships that you need, to, you need to have be very, very functional. You know, that is your relationship in the beginning. It's your relationship certainly with the writing room or the showrunner, with the production designer, because these are the people that you're going to see first with the producers. And then you're going to need to make sure that you're having a, a strong collaborative relationship with your cinematographer and with your actors. It's just wanting to be not uh, a, a rigid person and wanting to be flexible and wanting to be open and wanting to be available to, to explore ideas. You know, if you are not a person who is a good communicator, this job potentially is not for you. Like this is really a place where you need to work on communication skills and, and people skills. So it's people that are are really having ambitions or dreams of being a director, the things that they don't teach in film school is leadership skills. I think that that is really um, something that kind of we can all work on because they're, they're, they are aspects of our real lives. 
And I think if we can show up and be authentic and be and and even show some vulnerability and and um, and not be rigid like this is my show, this is my plan. That that's how you kind of get people to when people feel like that you need them and you want their opinion. This becomes a a Spike Lee joint. It's not the John Fawcett show. It's the it's us as a group working together to create a to create something super fucking cool. That's the idea, right? You want people to think that we're making something together. This isn't, uh, we're not sitting and writing novels here. We need, we need a, a, a dedicated group of people to make stuff. So, you know, the morale and keeping, keeping, a, keeping the band together is the most important thing. And I think that, you know, for example, when I think about the things that I'm most proud about uh, with Orphan Black, it was putting together, I was entirely responsible for hiring the crew there and all of the keys. And uh, I feel like I put together a crew that stayed together for five seasons, you know, and it was a very close knit, very intense family feel to that entire show. So I was very selective about the people that I let into that group. And um, because I didn't want that feeling to go away. I wanted the feeling to stay and I wanted everyone to feel like they belonged and, and felt loved and felt needed. I think that that's kind of what I have to say about relationships. I'm, and that, I think that kind of, that to some degree just sort of spills into our, into our personal lives. You know, it's just a kind of a, a way to sort of live. But certainly as we go to the set and we, we need to be a person who is uh, showing up with confidence and is able to make decisions and is able to collaborate and, and be flexible and, and to go, go to set with an attitude of discovery. Be super prepared, be hyper prepared, but be ready to dump it all at a moment's notice. Like if something, if something's gonna happen every day, every something happens to wreck your plan. If you think that you're gonna go and shoot your plan, you're, you're in for a, a big, big shock. So it's much better to go, I've got a plan and just know that your plan is gonna get fucked up. And so you are, and be ready and be excited to go, okay, here's the, here's where, because it gets all chargy, gets all, you get this adrenaline charge when suddenly it's like, oh my God, I don't have a plan anymore. The plan has been pulled out from underneath me for whatever reason, and now you're just free fall. And I love the feeling. And some people get very, go like lose their shit. They can't, they need a plan. We've got to stick to the plan. And that's, of course, that's a recipe for disaster. So it's, I think being prepared to, being prepared that things are gonna fall apart is, is important. And then if you have all these great talented people who got your back, you're, you're in much better shape. But if you've, if you've treated them all like, like it's my way or the highway, they, when, you, when the plan gets fucked up, they ain't got your back. They're gonna go, you figure it out. Fair enough. And that's one of the things like in the end, you know who gets blamed all the time? Doesn't matter what it is, the director. So you've kind of talked about the important parts of, you know, what makes a good director and how to bring the right energy to set. But what makes, you know, because a lot of us film students are going to be entering the workforce soon or at some point. So what makes a great member of a set? How can we show up and bring our best and, and you know, kind of work our way up the ranks? What makes for a good member of the industry? A good member of the industry. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> Well, you, you, you know all the answers to this, don't you? It's just like it's attitude. Attitude is the most important thing. And be responsible. And know the script. And read, the, read the goddamn script. Like, there's so many people that go to set. They go to work. They have no clue what they're shooting. I would say 70% of the crew that go and work on a show haven't read the script. Maybe even higher. So it's kind of shocking a little bit that, like, you know, these people are going to work every day, working a job, and they don't know what they're, they don't kind of know what they're making. So I just find that I'm, I'm always sort of gently encouraging crew to, you know, uh, like I like to talk to everybody and I like to get them excited about what we're shooting. So even if it's a, a third grip or a, a props assistant or, 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 you know, or an electric or whoever it is, or a painter, I like telling them like this, like I'd like to tell them excited, enthusiastic stories about what we're shooting so that people are kind of, so I would say, you know, as a crew member, 
yeah, no, read the script, get the script, read the script and show up beyond time and, and go the extra mile. Like just be enthusiastic about, about being there. And it's, I think that positive attitude goes a long ways. Being obviously smart and capable is, uh, is nice. You know, I think that, that, uh, you know, but not complaining cause like, you know, there's lots to complain about. There's lots of long hours. There's lots of crazy things that happen, you know, but never disparage the show, never disparage the script, the producers, the actors, the crew, anyone, never disparage anyone. You can talk to your friends offset about, about how much you hate certain people or the director or whoever it is that you is irritating you, but never ever say anything like that on set because you want to keep a, a positive attitude. People that, that show up uh, negative attitudes, complain, are late or make excuses, they don't come back. So that's, that, that's um, beyond time. Have your shit prepared. If you have to have stuff prepared, have it prepared. So I think that's great advice. Um, and I think that obviously is very intuitive, but it's also important to hear sometimes. Um, but having worked on projects with a variety of budget sizes, crew sizes, um, and kind of on the, on the larger end, because you have done that, what's the best and worst parts of that? And then what's the best and worst parts of working on smaller projects? I think, you know, it's a per they're pretty obvious answers here too. I mean, the more money there is, the more money that's getting spent on something, the more people are, are paying attention, everyone's paying attention. So unless you're like, a, you know, Steven Spielberg or you're like someone who, you know, is like, like David Fincher, who's just like, I'm gonna make my movie my way and it doesn't matter how much it costs, you guys can go all wait over there in the back while I shoot my movie. That's just not generally how the film industry works. So the, the bigger the budget, the more eyes, the more cooks in the kitchen. I mean, really, there's just so much more, there's so many more people looking over your shoulder um, and the more money that's getting spent, obviously the more stress and pressure comes with that. The, the upside of that is, you know, there's never, there's, you know, you can get the things that you, the, the, the things that are in your mind that you, you hope and dream for, like the 200 background in, in tuxedos and, and party dresses or, or the, the, you know, the 50 foot techno crane or the, the steady cam that you need um, for three days in a row or, or C camera on, on a bunch of different days. You know, these are all things that are perks of having a, 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 a bigger budget, you know, having like stunts and cars and, and, and doing stuff like that, stuff, stuff that's on a big scale. I mean, it's really incredible to work on a big canvas. There's no question, but it definitely comes with an anxiety level. I think often it, it, if, you, if there's a good producer working uh, on, on the show and this producer knows the show and knows how to run the show, I think that a, he, he buffers a lot of that anxiety with the director. Um, but if there isn't, then, you know, the director gets, can get hit from a lot of different angles. So it's a, it's a, it's not, it's a job, not for the faint of heart, but, um, but yes, it's a beautiful thing to, to see gigantic shots happen in front of your eyes. On smaller shows, I think small are the, it's just an intimacy. It's a real, like keeping a small, a close knit group of actors and creatives together and, and doing shit the way you want to. Uh, there's obvious limitations. I find that sometimes if I'm, if I give it, if I'm given limitations, I'm given parameters. Uh, they're like, you can't actually shoot that because we don't have the money to do it. That I wind up coming up with very creative solutions. And sometimes the solutions, these creative uh, budget conscious solutions are more interesting than what was on the page to begin with. Sometimes that's um, just coming up with a, a style that supports a, a low budget kind of uh, approach. Sometimes that's like, well, why don't we just not see it? Why don't we come up with a creative way to not see the big event, the big expensive event, come up with a cool way to you know, make it so that it's not necessary to see it. it. It happens off camera. Work with the writer. A lot of the time having a, a relationship with the writer and the writer being um, on your side, if you're not the writer, 
than working together to solve uh, budget issues, uh, that's, that's really important. So there's another really important relationship to have is, is to be uh, on the same side with your writer. So what would you say is to you the most important part of the process? Is it the, is it the prep? Is it the, you know, being on set? Is it the editing room? What to you is the most important part and the part where you're able to author your voice the most and tell your story the most? Uh, well, the most important part is the script. It's always the script. It's always, always the script. The script uh, has to be as good as it can be. It's, it's always about the script. So uh, every, every phase of production is different and important. Prep is, prep and script kind of go together to some degree. If you're on a show where you are uh, working with a writer or writing it yourself, so often the development period of writing that leads up to prep is a really important process for the director and the writer. On Orphan Black, my partner Graham uh, was the writer and I was the director and we worked together on all of the creative aspects of the show, all, usually for, for you know, a number of weeks before getting the writing room together. So we would go off to a, a, a cottage or a cabin and, and just shoot the sh you know, blue sky and jam on, on ideas and form a kind of all the tent poles for the season and come up with the story arcs. You know, sometimes that was more detailed, sometimes that was less detailed, but it was always about, it was always about script. And then once we're in prep, it's still about the script. It's taking obviously all the meetings, but as you start begin to take meetings, as you start, as all the different departments show up, and they start to bring questions, those questions impact the story. Because a lot of the time they'll show up in the last questions and they'll be like, why is this, what is this about? And you're like, good question, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. I'll, I'll find out, you know? And then that's, it, it is a script thing and the script, this, you know, the screenwriter can either give you an answer or go, uh, actually I never thought of that. So the whole process of prep through all the meetings, because you know, if you've been, uh, what you'll what you'll come to see, you probably have already had some experience with it. Is as you're prepping, there are a number of different number of different meetings. Every, you know, there might be a stunts meeting, there might be a, a production, a sets meeting, there might be a, uh, you know, a big production meeting that kind of covers everything, a, a visual effects meeting, and that is then showing up and just with a, say, a visual effects supervisor who's gonna just ask about the visual effects. And often those, those things impact story and script. So then it's taking the information from that back to the writer and trying to incorporate uh, this into new drafts. So the script is evolving constantly during prep. So it's all, it's script, script, script. So I'm gonna ask one last question before I, I open this up to to everyone else um but just more personally a lot of your work centers around themes of adolescence and coming of age what draws you to those stories and why do you think they're important to tell you know i don't know what the answer to that is maybe just because i identify with teenagers more than i identify with adults maybe it's just because i never feel i feel like i never actually grew out of being a teenager or maybe it's just a it's just a very transformative time. My first feature film was called The Boys Club, and it was really a it was a kind of a coming of age story. It was a kind of a probably making references that you might not know, but there was a, a movie called River's Edge back in the early '90s, I think. And then there was another movie called Stand by Me, and and River's Edge and Stand by Me kind of was inspiration for telling a kind of rite of passage sort of story about you know, boys becoming men in a way, in a sort of a dangerous, provocative sort of way. And, and then after that, going, you know what, I'm kind of, I don't really want to, I'm done with, I'm done with guys. Now I need, I need, now I need girls. So, so then it was, you know, making a coming of age story, uh, uh, which was uh, Ginger Snaps, you know, which was about sort of using using a werewolf as a metaphor for for adolescence you know and and um and and how girls change and so and certainly i don't i don't know if you've seen the movie but that's certainly that's the whole that's what the whole thing centers on is is uh the, the metaphor of werewolf 
Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's, I, I think it's just a confusing, icky, awkward time in people's life. I wouldn't want to have to go back and relive that, but it's kind of ripe for like kind of icky bi biological horror or, or psychological, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, you know what, maybe what it was is I was just intimidated by adult actors and just felt like it was, it was easier to direct teenagers. <laughs> Said no one ever. I don't, I don't, you know, I, I think that maybe, you know, for a while I didn't think that I was actually going to direct anything with adult actors in it at all. And then fortunately Orphan Black happened. So, so I've kind of, I've progressed at least. I mean, even in that show, you you get those characters with, you know, you have younger characters, but you also have Helena, um, who's sort of trapped in this adolescent period. So I find that I find that very interesting. Uh, all right. I'm going to I'm going to open this up uh, for for questions. Um, so you talked about how directing is based around people skills and communication and yeah. how we don't really learn that kind of stuff in film school. And I was wondering if there was anything that you suggest that we do to actively uh, practice these skills. That's an interesting question. I mean, I, I'm not sure if I know what the answer for that is. I think that, I, I mean, I have things that I think are, are, are you know, I think, I think that there's just ways that we can be with ourselves. Um, First of all, uh, for, for myself, and uh, this is just kind of me, but I have a, uh, I have, and I have had for years a, a morning practice, a morning meditation practice that kind of I use to kind of get me grounded. And, and I have a, a number of different, like this may sound nuts. It's kind of, I don't know if it's praying or if it's mantras or if it's, you know, setting some intention for ourselves. But this thing of like understanding how we behave in the world and, and, and how other people how other people perceive us, I think is kind of important. I often think that the, the, the people that I like the most are the people that are, are, are the most in tune with themselves. And I think that that is, and people that are interested in, in working on themselves. And I think that that's, I think, you know, that's a, that's a, it's a, it's a tricky thing. I mean, I don't know how, how do you work on yourself? One of the things that I would say as artists, I think often um, people, uh, I don't know how to put this exactly. I think that, I think that I, uh, more often than not, the artists that I know have come from difficult childhoods or have had trauma or or have had difficult experiences uh, in their in their childhood years and I think that that's something that uh, often uh, people uh, want to ignore and 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 put in the closet and and not let out and and keep that all secret or keep that boarded up or not deal with that stuff I think that showing up and facing that stuff and, and dealing with, um, you know, sorting out your family relationships and understanding your origin story and leaning into fear uh, to face that stuff, I think is really imp a really important way to become um, better at communicating. I know that sounds kind of weird, um, but I think that one of the things that I, I like to tell young filmmakers is, uh, figure out what, like, why are you here? Like, why are you doing this? Cause this is nuts. Trying to do this, this job in any kind of, uh, uh, you know, elite capacity is, it's an extreme dream. And so anything that you can do to give yourself an advantage, like finding, you know, I, I like to say, figure out why you're here. Like, why do you want to do this? Like um, if you're here for fame and uh, fame and fortune, <laughs> this is the wrong job. Like, this is the wrong reason to do this. You know, it's not the right, like, like your motivations for wanting to do this need to be, that. That's, that's one of the most fundamental things. I mean, if you think that we're gonna show up and, and becoming a director is about all the material wealth in the world or all the beautiful women or men or, or whatever it is, that's just not the reality of it. So it's, uh, it's about, I think the more I can be a person that is interested in other people 
who is genuinely compassionate and understanding and wants to be a part of a, a, a wants to be a part of the world i think those are the kinds of those are the kinds of people that i like and aspire to be and i think that understanding your origin story is important i think writing it down is important i mean i i think that i for the longest time didn't know i didn't understand myself Honestly, I didn't understand myself. I didn't understand why I felt like I was somehow I didn't belong in this family. I didn't understand how I grown up, how, how I, like, I just felt like this total weirdo in my own, like that I didn't fit in. And I didn't understand why, you know, I was obviously grateful for all, for the talents that I developed, but it was nothing like the rest of my family. Like it was like, so I just didn't understand where they came from. It took a lot of uh, getting over a bunch of fear and resistance to going back and looking at, you know, I had difficulties with my father. Uh, I had, uh, you know, there was a lot of stuff back there that I was not um, particularly compelled to go and look at, but, but, you know, get over a little bit of fear, go look at that, actually figure out your origin story. That for me was a big, big moment understanding that stuff and putting all those fragmented, all that fragmented bullshit in its place made me into a better person, into a better director, and frankly, into a better communicator. And, and one of the other things I think that you can do, and I, I would just say this sort of across the board, is regardless of whether you think you're a writer or not, write. It's really, it's the most important creative aspect of this job. I don't know if that makes you a better communicator. I think it probably does. Because I, and I'm not specifically talking about creative writing, although I think that that needs to be a component of any director's uh, work is that they should be, they should be an avid reader and an avid watcher of movies and an avid writer. And I think writing is a thing that you should be doing every day. For me, uh, journal writing is critical. And I think that that comes in two forms for me. That comes in the form where I write about important things that have happened to me and about how I feel about them. And two, the other, the other part of it is to show up and not know what the fuck I'm gonna write. So is to be, is to be feeling all fucked up. Like something, something's happened and I'm feeling, I'm feeling messed up. I want an answer from the universe. It's almost a spiritual kind of thing, honestly. The way I talk to God is I, I write. And so I just like, I can start with a little bit of an intention, maybe a question that I want answer to, and, I, and, and just start writing and not know where the writing's going and be very honest and very open and vulnerable and raw with the writing. Write super fast and don't go back and read it and edit it. And you'll be sort of surprised at how much that opens you up and how many, uh, how quickly you can find answers that you didn't, and wisdom that you didn't know that you had. And I would also say, just in, in terms of communication, is we cannot, we can wind up not listening because we got so much other bullshit going on in our heads. We got like the committee, right? There's a committee going on in our heads and there is, a, there is someone that's saying you're not good enough. And there's someone saying that, um, you know, you're hearing your parents saying that what you're doing is, is you're never gonna be able to achieve what you're doing so many different voices going on in your, in your head that are negative. And I think it's important to find ways to quiet that stuff down so that we can be present because being present is the way we channel creativity. Like, and the way that we communicate well is that we listen well. And the only way to listen well is to be present. So I would encourage you guys, listen, I, I've, I've been around the block a little bit. I've had so much static and so much shit going on in my background, gone through periods where I didn't think I could be creative again. And, and, and every single time the things that brought me back were uh, having a meditation practice and, and writing, constantly writing, just constantly writing. It doesn't matter whether it's good or not. It doesn't matter whether it's the next blockbuster or whether we're going to shoot this or not shoot it, whether it's going to be a novel or a play, it doesn't matter. Be creative and keep nurturing that. The more often you can show up and just write and not be critical of what you're writing, the better communicator you'll be, the better filmmaker you'll be. That's, that's kind of the way I, that's the way I roll, man. So yeah, I have a question about Ginger Snap, um, particularly about like the relationship of Bridget and Ginger because they have such like a unique 
chemistry. And I just want to know, did you have like rehearsal practices to kind of um, make that chemistry happen? Or, or was it something you looked for in the audition process? Like, how did you get that relationship? Well, that was really an, an absolutely necessary aspect to the story, to the script. They were, they were kind of, you know, the whole thing between, for them was, you know, together for, you know, out by 16 or dead in the scene together forever. That was the whole concept, right? This was actually supposed to be a kind of a love story uh, between two sisters. You know, I don't know if you ever saw um, one of the movies that really sort of inspired that, that feeling was there was a, I think in the 90s, there was a, a probably a not well-known Peter Jackson movie called Heavenly Creatures. And Kate Winslet was in it. And I hadn't seen Kate Winslet before. And there was another actor who I've seen. Anyway, the two of them were basically this inseparable, it was a love story between two girls. And, and it was, and of course, they went on to kill their parents. And, you know, it was obviously turned into mayhem and murder. But I love that relationship. And that was a, this dangerous love love story. And uh, so that was very, very, that was in, an absolutely critical part um, that, that had to, we had to get right. The chemistry, we had to get right. The, the two characters are fairly different. You know, uh, Ginger is a little more gregarious, a little bit more um, extroverted. Uh, and, and Bridget is probably the, probably the smarter of the two, more introverted, reserved, uh, fearful of the world um, and uses her sister as kind of a shield when they go out and out out there. So, looking for uh, at, you know in the audition process um, is where you're you're looking to find those qualities, those those kinds of um, aspects that the that that the, the actors bring this this uh, energy and understanding of of the the scenes. Um, to the audition room. And as a director, you, you want to kind of like give them some help and support in the audition process. So auditioning, we could probably do a whole Zoom meeting just on, on how, to, how to be a director in the audition room. But um, I would got very fortunate because both of those actors were from Vancouver and they knew each other. They had worked previously together. So there was already this, this familiarity. They knew each other and, and, um, and liked each other. And so we were obviously already ahead of the game by, by, by the fact that they, they had that relationship. And then, yes, um, you know, when you're shooting on uh, not a big budget and you don't have, um, you have limited time, it's really important that you can out of the gates, you can hit it out of the gates. You don't have time to stand around on set trying to get the actors to understand the scenes or their characters. So it's really important, certainly in a feature film, that you get rehearsal time with the actors. And, and even if it's not specifically to read scenes, it's to go through each scene as a director and talk about the scenes and talk about the characters and, and have open dialogues about, about what, what what is the scene about? What it, what's the important? What are we trying to accomplish in this scene? What is each character trying to accomplish? And then have them read it and have them field any questions that they have about it. So that so you want to just give them as much information and as much background as possible in the rehearsal. It's more important than actually reading or trying to stage the scenes is to just talk about it and make sure that those Make sure your actors really, really clear, clearly get what we're, what the what the writing's about. Because often, the actor is just kind of like making stuff up in their own head. It's really they're hyper focused on their part. They're not looking at the big thing. They're not looking at the big story. And sometimes we have to rein in actors and make sure that they understand that the function of their character is to do X. You know, and 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 it's great to. It's great to paint a character with lots of different shades and variations, but at the end of the day, it still has to achieve this, this function. Because um, often, you know, unless it's a, a, you know, often parts that are not necessarily lead parts, they're, they're very functional roles. We want them to show up with as much uh, complexity as any of the other um, 
roles. We don't want to like just b blow them off because it's a smaller part. We always want to treat all actors with, give them as much respect as, and time as possible. But always remember there's a bigger, there's a bigger, this is a bigger, much bigger picture and the director has to keep the entire big picture in his mind. And, and so some, you know, and sometimes you just got to go, hey, you know, with an actor, an excited actor is like, yeah, but I'll tell you what, if you do that, then it's going to affect this part down here. And that part down there is really important story point. So, and they don't see that because they're not holding the whole story in their head the way we are. So it's, uh, it's really just getting the, I think the rehearsal time is a really important part of getting everyone on the same page and making sure everyone understands what they're doing so that, so that we can work quickly and efficiently when we get to set. I actually have a more personal question just because I feel like we can all connect on that. I was wondering if you remember the moment or the film or a short film that really made you realize that film could be a potential career. And if you looking back now, does that reveal something about your understanding of the importance of film to you and to like, the world hmm. well uh, I, I don't know if there was one particular film that I was inspired by that made me I, I, I was always just very like into films you know from the beginning I mean I was I'm a very different era than you guys so for me the film you know I was uh, let's see I was probably nine years old when like Star Wars came out you know, so Star Wars like changed, it kind of changed everything for a lot of people. I don't know that Star Wars necessarily made me think I want to be a filmmaker, but it certainly kind of blew my mind and made me start thinking about uh, movies in a very sort of different way. I, I think, you know, I saw, <clears throat> I think, you know, I have a difficult time talking about favorite movies or movies that totally inspired me. I think about people a lot. Um, and you know, I think it's funny because I know that Spiel, Steven Spielberg was definitely a, a guy that, that arrived on the scene when I was a young, when I was young and starting out, that um, was, was, a, was a huge inspiration to me. And so he had made, he, he, you know, I don't know if you know much about his career, but he, his, one of his first films was uh, Jaws. And Jaws to me probably fits in, into easily my top, 10, maybe even my top five favorite films of all time. I think it's an incredible landmark, you know, Moby Dick of a, a movie. Um, and, but the thing that I, I found most inspirational about, about him, and he made, what he did is he, went, he made Jaws, then I believe he made Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and then I think he made Raiders of the Lost Ark. And those are all like unbelievable movies all in a row. And no matter what you think of him, for me, he was a young guy. Like he was incredibly young and working at an extremely high level. And I found that incredibly inspiring. I mean, when he made, when he made Jaws, I, I think he was like 24 years old, something like that. I mean, how old are you? 18. <laughs> so 18, so six years from now, he was making Jaws. It, it, it's kind of mind blowing. And so that to me was so like, I was like, if he can do it, I can do it. So, I, you know, when I went to film school, obviously it became uncool to like Spielberg. Everyone was like, ah, Spielberg, <laughs> he makes kids movies, right? He makes E.T., he makes kids movies. And so I never ever, I, I kind of got embarrassed of, of calling him uh, a, an inspiration. Um, but then Spielberg went on and made Schindler's List, which is one of the most important films I think of, the, of that has ever been made. Um, so uh, to me, he was just a role model. Like, I don't know, he, be, he, be, he was more than just to me, like finding a role model that you feel that you can kind of emulate, I think is really important. I mean, do you remember, um, well, maybe you don't. I was, you know, Michael Jordan was this famous basketball player. I don't know, when was he famous? He was famous in like the 90s, I suppose. And there was all these like, um, these uh, commercials that said um, that, that the whole slogans were like, be like Mike, right? And that inspired a generation of kids. And, and I think that, I think about that a lot. When I discovered Spielberg as a kind of a strange, um, 
imaginary mentor for myself. It was more than just, I liked his movies. I, I watched so I watched anything that I could get on and, and watched how he communicated, how he talked to actors, how he handled himself in interviews, how he how he was with his family. And it just became a kind of a a thing where I, I didn't know how to be a director. And I didn't have friends that were directors. I grew up in Calgary. I did this, I figured this out by myself. I didn't get to go on sets and see how other, I really, I had to like watch behind the scenes documentaries and stuff like that and watch interviews. And I was just a scared kid. I was terrified of it all. In fact, like when I first, I, I was so scared that I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think I could even go to set and, and, and do it. Like I remember throwing up in the morning before going to work and being like just an, uh, uh, so nervous that I didn't think I could handle it. So the way I kind of, the way I dealt with it was uh, to kind of create the persona of the director. And that was kind of like, so that, that, that came from like using an imaginary mentor like Spielberg who had made all these movies and it was so young that I could, I felt like I could, um, I could understand him and, and, and kind of just went, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna show up, I'm gonna act like the director. So whatever the director is, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna show up, I'm gonna act for 12 hours, and I'm gonna be an actor. I'm not gonna be a director, I'm gonna be an actor. And I'm gonna be the, I'm gonna act like the director. And my inspiration was like, you know, like people like Spielberg. And so I, I would say if anything was uh, inspirational I, I, and was responsible for making me go, I'm gonna make movies, I would say it was him. What? kind of when did that change for you when did you show up at work and not feel like you had to act the director when did you <laughs> well you don't really know that it's happening because the more you do it the more it just becomes you you know you do it and you do it and it becomes you and um, that's the way we do anything right at some point it just became me and 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 the more there was aspects of the job that I became that I didn't like um, I think that uh, there were aspects of ego and self-centeredness and arrogance that I developed early on, um, especially when you start getting paid. And those were things that I had to learn a few hard lessons to kind of like make those things go away because, you know, people will call you on it. Or if you, if you don't check, if you don't check that stuff uh, early, uh, you will potentially you it could potentially lead to not getting work because people really the way people get hired is they get one they get hired because their shit is good it looks good and it is good and the second way they get hired is because of the reputation that they get along with everyone they 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 make their days they make their schedules and they get along, and people like them the thing now for me that's so important um, at this point in my career, this is not maybe so much for you guys, but for me, is just that balance of knowing how to check, to take the director persona and check that at the door, like a hat and leave it there and then become John, the guy that hangs out at home and has friends and has, is a dad and has family and all that stuff and isn't the guy that, that is at set. Because the guy that's at set is kind of a different guy and he needs to be a lot more, he needs to be more, I don't want to say aggressive, but I, I, I'm just a different guy there. I have to be right. And then at home I need to be, I need to be something else. So trying to be those, trying to go back and forth between those two personas has always been challenging for me. What was the Yoda, the quote that Yoda said the, you know, do or do not, there is no try. That was a really important, to me, that's a really just an important attitude and, 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 and to have some stamina about this and to, ex to expect that this isn't going to just come together like, you know, perfectly with a nice little neat bow on it. It's challenging being an artist and making a living as an artist and you need to, you need some stick with itness and, and honestly, the, what I experienced, and this is just a little bit of maybe a little bit more advice is that often uh, I, I, I saw that people would just give up. They would give up after a while, it's too hard. Uh, I, can't, I, I can't live like this. 
I can't like live not having things. I can't live like an artist. And they would give up. And so I would, I would, I, I've noticed that the people that wind up in the industry that wind up getting the jobs are like the last people standing. And it doesn't matter. Like uh, sometimes it doesn't even need, isn't even about talent. It's about like stick with itness. It's about good attitude. It's about showing up. It's about not giving up. There's no tomorrow. Like, what if there's no tomorrow? What if like, you know, you put this stuff off, you're like, ah, I'll do it all. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll write that thing tomorrow. Okay. What about today? Like do it today, man. Do it today. Like stop putting the shit off. Like I, I became, I, I lost years of my creative life because I was just kind of lazy and I wish I had them back now. So I, I, and, and frankly, when you're getting started, use your, your youth as an advantage. So go, you have all this energy and get a, get a thick skin. Don't like take shit personally. Don't give up. All right. I would love, I know you said that you don't like talking about film recommendations or things that you like, but if you do have, I would love to hear five film recommendations based on uh, your, you know, your experience or inspirations or, you know, think that they have great directing, whatever you want, but I'd love to hear. You know that there's a bit of a, like a, you know, I, my, the, the, any of the people that I'm going to suggest are probably not, you know, I don't know how current I am. So a lot of my uh, suggestions for films are probably almost what you call classic films now, or I, I tend to find directors that I like and follow filmmakers more than I, I follow, I follow directors that I think are doing interesting, con, uh, continual in, interesting work. Like people like, um, you know, Christopher Nolan or David Fincher or Alfonso Cuarón. And then there's some older guys that I have always liked, like, you know, Martin Scorsese and Peter Weir, Francis Ford Coppola, you know, he made some of the best movies, you know, Godfather, go and look at a bunch of, you know, make sure that you've seen The Godfather, for love of God and Apocalypse Now. The Godfather, like if you look at lists of favorite films of all time, The Godfather is gonna wind up in probably the top 10 of everyone's list. I think seeing important films and like, like and, and really kind of developing a love for and a really the biggest base of understanding of all sorts of different kinds of films is important. Um, I like, uh, so I like, I like following directors, you know, I've already talked about Jaws. Uh, so I, you know, I, I, there's a whole raft of little Sp of Spielberg that I, I love because I, he was doing something that was very different at that time. If you haven't seen Goodfellas, that's probably one of my favorite Scorsese films. You should see Goodfellas. Uh, if you haven't seen Seven, I'm sure you've, everyone's, has everyone seen these movies? They're all like, so make sure you're familiar with Seven and Fight Club if you want to watch David Fincher. Uh, if you want to get familiar with Peter Weir, my favorite Peter Weir film is The Mosquito Coast, uh, which is a movie that I think often uh, sort of uh, has fallen through the cracks. It's a brilliant movie. Uh, he also made Witness and Dead Poets Society and Gallipoli. And then Alfonso Cuaron is a Mexican director who made one of my favorite movies. It's like a masterpiece is uh, Children of Men. And so Children of Men, you should see. And then he's also made, he made Gravity, which you probably saw. Gravity made a lot of money in the theaters. Uh, he also, of course, you guys are all probably Harry Potter fans. Well, he made the best Harry Potter uh, movie, which was Azkaban. Uh, and he also made this fantastic smaller film called, uh, I think, I'm, I hope I pronounce it correctly. I wrote it down. It's Itu Mama Tambien. It's a road trip movie. It's a, well worth seeing. Anyway, the, the, he, the, he's a, gr a really, really, truly great director. And then check out, um, if you haven't seen, I'm oh, sorry, I wrote these down, I'm reading them. I don't know how familiar you are with Chris Nolan, but make sure that you see Memento. So Memento is, uh, for me, Memento was uh, a, like a, blew my mind, changed everything for me, and was actually the first inspiration for Orphan Black. So that, that, that's a movie that is, you know, and it's a low, lower budget movie. So it, 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 it actually, when you watch it, it seems like something achievable, like we could make this. It's not like a, a gigantic Hollywood movie. It's a small, 
a psych psychological thriller with like a very small cast and uh, is is a you know some of these it's really fun I think you know going and 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 picking some of these filmmakers that are are kind of legendary now and watching their earlier films because they weren't making huge budget movies like the other thing you could watch is uh, the Coen Brothers watch uh, Blood Simple their very first feature film. Um, if you haven't seen Blood Simple, that is absolutely worth seeing. And it's, and it's really just interesting to see how these people began. So I'm all into, I'm, all, I'm super into origin stories and, and how things begin and understanding how we are, how we, what, what trips us up, what are our, our pros and cons? What, are, what, are, what am I successful at? What am I least successful? Play to your strengths, work on your weaknesses. Don't just avoid your weaknesses, work on them. Make them make, turn your weaknesses somehow into your strengths. Well, thank you so, so much for being on the show. And thank you. I feel like there's at least a few of those that, uh, that we haven't seen yet. So I know there are a few for me that I'm really excited to check out now. And thank you for sharing a little bit about your origin story and your process, your experience. Uh, I know I really enjoyed hearing about, yeah, about, what you think makes a great set now, but also how that's evolved and and a lot of personal things. I'm, I'm really grateful that you shared that with us. I hope it's been uh, helpful for you guys. I, I hope I didn't just say a bunch of stuff that was not useful because uh, I think just quickly, I mean, you know, like I was saying when I was at the Canadian Film Center, a lot of, a lot of directors would show up and they would just talk about war stories. Here's what it was like on set, you know? and here's what, here, you know, here's the different celebrities that I was shot with and, and, you know, the different little adventures they had on set. And honestly, all that shit starts to sound the same and it's not helpful. And uh, um, I want, if anything, I was just, I just hope that like, in, in some ways I'm able to inspire you and in some ways I'm able to, to help in some, so I hope you glean some bit of weird helpful information out of this. Um, I, I hope that you guys uh, go out there and kick ass and make some good shit and um, make some things that are relevant and that are, will you know, entertain and um, move people. I mean, really, that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're not out there to, it's great if we can make a living doing it, but we're not out there for fame and fortune. We are out there to share ourselves. We're out there to share stories that move people emotionally. That's what's so important. Thank you so much. No, I think I think you did a great job at, um, at at sharing that and sharing some really solid advice. A lot of it seems very intuitive, but I think it's also important to to talk about those things. And um, and I think there was some very practical advice that we can take with us. So thank you so much. <laughs>